When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Purple Podcast, the post-Minnesota Vikings victory in preseason game number three over the Seattle Seahawks version. And Judd, you couldn't have drawn it up any better for a night for Zolgad to be in the building. Because once again, here we are watching the Minnesota Vikings and we are talking about the kicker. Yep. Yeah, the uh, the football god smiled upon me because in the first quarter, I'm watching the offensive line, and um, after the first series, uh, Rashad Hill at right tackle and Remmers at right guard came out, and so they replaced them with Isadora and then your guy, Collins. And the, off- guy. and the offensive line looked bad again. And I turned to you and I said, I can't do it again. I can't continue to write about the offensive line. It's just, you know... It's struggling again, but I can't continue to go down this path. And then Daniel Carlson not only missed two first-half kicks, but he missed them from the equal distance of 42 yards apiece. And on Monday, when they released Kai Forbath and ended the charade of a kicking competition, I wrote something saying, I still don't get this. And then Carlson misses two on cue, and I still don't get it. And, and you know what, Collar? Even more so now. As we talk postgame, after hearing Zimmer talk about the Carlson misses, and after seeing poor Daniel Carlson, who I actually like, seems like a really nice kid, complete deer in the headlights, why are they saddling Mike Zimmer, of all people, with a rookie kicker? And I'm dead serious there, and I don't want, want to hear, all oh, you're being negative again, Judd. You're de- why are you saddling this guy? Mike Zimmer admitted, he admitted that after the first 42-yard miss, the Vikings came down and eventually scored a touchdown. They went for two. They went for two because Zimmer was so upset that he didn't want to allow Carlson to attempt the extra point, basically saying, if you're going to miss your field goals, we're not going to be attempting extra points. This is like the weirdest forced marriage. Why Rick Spielman has done this? And Kai Forbath, not to go on too long here, but Kai Forbath might not have been the guy. I completely get that. You might have said he missed too many extra points. You're not comfortable there. But this is a Super Bowl-type team. Why are you saddling a veteran coach with no patience for kickers with a poor rookie can you explain this to me all right let me me try to go sort of point by point here 
because anyone who listens to the Purple Podcast would know that I was against from the night of the draft picking a kicker. No matter what he turns out to be, it's usually not worth a draft pick, and your odds of the guy being good are worse when you spend a draft pick on him because you feel like he has to win the kicking competition. That's how it always seems to work when this goes sideways. Uh, Roberto Aguayo would be a great example. He did not kick very well in preseason with Tampa, but they spent a second-round pick on him, so they had to stick with him. There have been instances where it's worked. There have been a lot of instances where it has not worked. So that aside, I will say that I think Carlson may have felt the pressure more after winning the kicking competition as if he had to sort of justify them making that decision and sending out Kai Forbath, who he seemed to actually get along with really well in training camp, sending him out saying, you're our guy, the pressure's all on you now, and no longer is it a competition. I think that made it even a little bit harder on him tonight, and maybe that's the explanation for not only two misses, but also a shaky extra point. Yes. just barely cut inside the uprights yep. where I, where I agree with you is the point about Mike Zimmer and you know, he's going to be very harsh on people, whether it is the third string safety or it's the kicker, but especially a guy who had a playoff win ripped away from him by a kicker. And then he had a playoff win helped along by a 52 yard kick by the guy that they just decided to kick out of here in Kai Forbath. And that's where it always struck me as a little bit odd was Forbath was at 89% since he got here to Minnesota and you just send the guy packing. I mean, that seemed always a little bit funky to me, even though he had some troubles with the extra points. Now, all that being said, Judd, it's a preseason game. This could be okay. It's just two kicks in a preseason game and we can all move on because now I, I am along with Kirk Cousins. Kirk and I feel the same way about this. Yep. This stuff does not predict what's going to happen in the regular season. In, in any instance, with kickers, with quarterbacks, with wide receivers, right. this stuff does not point to if X happens. If a guy misses him in preseason, he will miss them in the regular season. That's not how it works with anything. So I get where you're coming from on everything that you said. I would also say... We're just going to have to see how this thing plays out. Even if a lot of the first guess, as you like to talk about, points in the wrong direction with Daniel Carlson, yep. we don't know how to predict a kicker. Like, there is no, oh, I, I know a stat right. that helps you predict kickers. But, there is, that doesn't exist. But Mike Zimmer should have a veteran kicker who can handle him because you've put a kid, it's not the kid's fault. You've now put Daniel Carlson in the position of basically having a coach who is liable to melt down on him, and who every time he goes and kicks now, it's going to be in in the back of his mind. And listen, if Daniel Carlson is perfect, that's fantastic. But if he costs them a game or two, Rick Spielman deserves all the heat he's going to get. This This is a first guess, and this is an unnecessarily dumb move. You know, the cousin signing might not work, but I totally get it. I totally get it. You went and you looked at Case Keenum and said, we think we can improve on Case. And, oh, by the way, we're going to go sign uh, to a mega contract, the guy that we deem to be the best free agent quarterback on the market. If it doesn't work, I'm going to say, that's too bad. But I'm not going to second-guess them. But this, to me, is the type of move where on draft night and every other time, you're going to say, that might not have been a great idea. And if he does cost them a game or cost them two or cost them three games or whatever happens, 
Spielman deserves all the heat he's going to get because he knows who his head coach is. And his job is to get that head coach, the personnel, and he does this for the most part. The best opportunity, the best opportunity to win games, and I think a rookie kicker for Mike Zimmer, of all people, is a dumb move. Yeah, I agree with that point of the inexperienced kicker. I can guarantee you he never faced a a head coach that was this harsh, ever. I'm certain of it in Auburn that he wasn't going to get ripped after a preseason game and have the coach admit that he went for two because he couldn't trust him to go out there and kick a field goal. Correct. Right there was exactly the opposite, I'm sure, of everything Daniel Carlson dreamed of after winning the kicking competition. (laughs) So it's going to take mental toughness, and usually that's what you know you have from veterans because if they're still around, they have that. Yes. Now, let's not spend all night on the kicker, please. Because now, as I'm tired of the line, so where are we going next? As perfect as it was for you to have this happen after you wrote about them pulling the the string. And I'm writing about it again off this. Zolgad. <laughs> Should Vikings be concerned about kicker? You betcha. I, yes. Go to 1500ESPN.com for that heat that you put together for tonight. Now, I want to talk about one Kirk Cousins and the all-important, as you call it, preseason game number three. <laughs> and he threw 28 passes tonight, and some were good. A back shoulder fade to uh, Stephon Diggs, a spectacular throw. A 27-yard completion to Laquan Treadwell. Another nice play there. But for the most part, he was getting chased a lot. And as we've seen from him in this preseason, when the offensive line is breaking down, that's not always when Cousins is at his best. And I thought that showed a lot tonight. His arm talent, for one, which we know is really outstanding, but also the impact that pressure can have on him. Yep. Uh, I would say this, that that Cousins... This goes back to what I think we've been talking about, Collar, for a week now. This is going to be, in some ways, a work in progress. I mean, you can very much see that Cousins is trying to feel out what his personnel does well and vice versa. Um, I do think the Vikings have been given every indication possible that they need to go out and trade for a guard. And if that guard ends up being a backup, that's fine. But the Isidore that stepped it to him, he looked incredibly shaky at right guard tonight after – Remmers went out following that first series. Uh, so I think as far as the personnel works, and I think as far as the actual uh, play calling works, those things are just going to, to take some time. So I don't even know that I would be generally extremely concerned about that. But I think the one thing that we've seen is you need to go out and get a guard. And that guard might have to, might have to start at left guard for Compton. That guard might eventually start. That guy might be a backup for a while but your depth on the line guard wise is just not sufficient so let me run through here kind of what we know on the offensive line riley reef looked better tonight uh there is a little cause for concern with the second half of his last season and how he played against jacksonville but for now he's your one stable piece at left guard unless there is a trade and it has to happen really soon then it's going to be Tom Compton starting at left guard. We can lock that in at this point, I think, unless there is a move. It would be pretty stunning to see anything else happen there. Uh, At center, we are in wait-and-see entirely mode with Pat Elfline because at this time last week we thought, oh, he should be back 
at some point soon, and still we have not seen him in practice. I can tell you that if Cornelius Edison has to start games for this team, it is a big problem. Oh, it's a yes. Like he can, yes, you're right. Like he can make the I didn't team. That. You're right. He could be a backup center, but he showed tonight several times he cannot get to the second level nope. anywhere close to the same way Pat Elfline. And in fairness to him, he is a third string center. Right. I mean, he was behind Elfline and Easton, so that this wasn't even your second choice. So if if he starts on September 9th, you're exactly right. It's a massive problem. Uh, at right guard, it has to be Mike Remmers because Danny Isadora showed tonight one of his big weaknesses, and that's that opponents know they can overpower him. And <laughs> Say playing football? And, oh, my gosh, did Tom Johnson overpower him. Tom Johnson is one of the most detailed and diligent players in the league. I guarantee you Tom Johnson practiced against that guy last year and yep. said, I'm going to get into his chest, and I'm going to plow this guy yep. because that's Isadora's big problem is he can do other things. He can get to the second level in run blocking, but what he can't do is put down an anchor and handle a big, strong defensive tackle. And even though Tom Johnson is not huge, he is very strong, and he's very quick, and he's very smart, and he just abused Isadora tonight. And that kind of shows you what starters will do against him. Yep. He can't play there. And at right tackle, it has to be Rashad Hill. And now I think Aviant Collins is kind of the backup everywhere. Collins is the the backup everything, right? Because uh, it showed us tonight for sure where they stand with Brian O'Neill. I thought he had made some improvement, and and I'm certain that he has, but he is the third string right tackle. He's a project. So the guy that they drafted in the second round is the third string right tackle. But you you got higher on him as camp progressed, but when camp started and after the draft, you said, and we both agreed, he's a project player. Like, I think they're smart enough to know if we ram him in there and play him, he's either going to, A, just fail, or, B, it's also going to, to cause his confidence to absolutely crash, and a la TGA Clemmings, he's ruined. So I think this is, is the right move there. I think the answer is the answer is Elfline has to come back. That has to happen. Yep. If, if, he, if something's gone wrong there, it's big trouble. Uh, but I think if he comes back, which he should, the answer is you've got to go get uh, uh, depth at guard, and ideally, ideally, Remmer starts at right guard, and I think you get a guy that can play start at, at left guard. He might not be spectacular, but you need a solid player there, and I'm giving up a fifth-round pick. I'm trading a draft pick. Sorry, Rick. I'm trading a draft pick. Compton then can slide back to a backup role, and at least then it stabilizes that offensive line. So now here's something that is very curious to me from tonight's first-team offense performance. Now, last week when Kirk Cousins got sacked, I might have bought into, ah, well, Jaguars just sniffed that one out. Too bad. That's a shame. But Seattle did it again to the Vikings, where they ran a play action, and it was a zone-blocking scheme one way, and Cousins was rolling out the other, and when he went to roll out the other, someone was right in his face. And then it happened again. And it makes me wonder, are they tipping something here, or are teams looking at this Vikings offensive line, and I know this is preseason, but will this happen, where they look at it and say, you know what, if you want to run that that zone run, you can go ahead. You could try it, because we don't believe your offensive line can handle it, so we're just going to jump that. And and we're just going to send somebody off the edge after you on that, because that's a type of play that Cousins has had a ton of success in his career. I mean, that is a bread-and-butter type play, for him in Washington, one of his best. He's great in play action. I think teams are going to scheme to shut down Kirk Cousins' play action this year more than maybe they ever have because it's kind of out there 
how good he is. And that might be, as far as things that concern you a little bit, that might be on my list. The other thing that's on my list tonight, Stephon Diggs got popped on a play pretty hard by a linebacker and then came back in the game. Can you explain that to me? Um, No. What, what is the purpose of bringing him back in? I can't explain it to you, and, and it also concerns me a bit that that uh, Cousins threw that threw him into that hit. Like that, he did. that yep. whole play was that. That's the type of play that you watch that play and you say that doesn't even come close to being worth the result of the play. Um, but there were a few things tonight that I didn't like. I didn't like when when uh, the Vikings got in the red zone and Cousins was under pressure and about to get sacked and ate the ball and didn't just throw the ball right out of the end zone. And, and then the Vikings actually got a first down from that play because I believe Diggs was held by the uh, Seattle cornerback. But the point being is, Collar, this all goes back to me to being we have to be patient here. Like I can't – I'm with you on preseason, and I will even extrapolate this into the early portion of the regular season, I think we're going to have to be patient. I think we're going to see a lot of things that don't look nearly as fluid or in sync as what we saw with uh, Keenum and Shermer in 2017. So I think this is going to be a work in progress. What concerns me, though, is if you don't fix these glitches with the line, it's going to take a while, and it might. And Kirk Cousins, we just know this, and we've talked about it a thousand times, but we know this. He has to be protected. Like, he has to have time. He's not going to find a miracle pill to all of a sudden start to scramble and make great throws. So if you don't sufficiently protect him, and if this offensive line doesn't consistently do its job, Kirk Cousins is going to make some really bad passes. He's going to get picked, and it shouldn't be a surprise because the one thing when you signed him to that contract that you knew was you have to provide him with sufficient protection to allow him to make plays, and he is not Case Keenum when it comes to that. Okay, let's run down some other things from tonight. Uh, quick hits style. How about is some there, good stuff? Is there a big well, – Delvin that, Cook. That, well, that's what I was going to get to. Delvin Cook played. Delvin Cook played, and he didn't play much, but Delvin Cook is going to make a difference in the, this offense. I believe I charted him playing uh, four or five plays in the first series. My guess is in uh, preseason game four – he does not play, but he got hit, and Dalvin Cook being back on the field, to me, is a not just a definite positive, it's a huge positive. Yeah, you put that under a milestone for his comeback, and he talked even in the locker room about feeling like a smarter and, and more well-adjusted player now that he's coming back than he even was last year, and we were honestly blown away by his intelligence to begin with. You don't just beat out two veteran running backs. Think about... The Vikings paid for Latavius Murray to come in here. The 49ers paid Jarek McKinnon a ton of money to go out there. And Delvin beat both of them. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't really even close. And that just tells you about his level of talent. And he kind of had something that he said that interests me where he pointed out that if you have great running backs, they can overcome some things on the offensive line, which in a way is an acknowledgement of how bad the offensive line is right now. But also, I mean, he's making the point that you know, it's kind of on him to be a centerpiece of the offense and to make up for some of that gap. Absolutely. And I agree with him on that. Now let me take you to Laquan Treadwell, who had three catches, including a 27-yarder, Judd. What's it going to take? What's it going to take to get you on board? 
All no, you're, you're not on board with me. I've been saying the whole time that we got to wait and see. A but, lot, a lot, a lot more. But he has no competition. It's, right. it's Laquan he's, Treadwell oh, make and nobody else. Not, not just that. I mean to be the number three wide receiver. There is nobody who has even why is that, competed at all. Why is that? Why did this team not? And, and if Treadwell takes that job, good for him. And if he does, it's also about time. But why is that? Why was there? Why was there not more thought given to the fact? And I'm not trying to imply that they should have gone out and gotten two more Pro Bowl players at that position. They definitely should not have. But why didn't they do more to try and bring? I mean, Wright does not look like competition. I, I don't know. He doesn't play special teams. I have no idea what he is. He might make the team, but he does not look like he's going to be a factor. So what's your theory on why they didn't go out knowing that Treadwell is just Treadwell, basically, and do more? I think maybe they thought that they did in getting Kendall right. He had 59 oh. receptions last year. This isn't even his first team where he's they put don't up look some like they numbers. Like him. No, they don't. Yeah. I mean, that, the coaching staff. But once again, so what? Okay. So what frustrates me about that then is what is the the GM is supposed to bring in players who the coaching staff can say, oh, yeah, we can definitely work with that. And, and it's almost like Spielman brought Kendall right in and the coaching staff took a look at Kendall Wright and they're like, oh, OK, whatever. Well, I tried to put the brakes on our Kendall Wright conversation in the offseason a bit when pointing out that he's only a slot receiver and Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs split the slot snaps. You don't really need a guy who's only a slot. This is why Laquan Treadwell, who's only an outside receiver, really, that's why he kind of works with those guys for at least spreading the field. But you can't really put Kendall Wright out there in any other spot because of his lack of size. So it hasn't looked like he's fit at all. Now, where I would say he's probably on the team is when Diggs went out after he got hit, then Kendall Wright came in next. So that kind of tells us where they stand with that. But uh, I don't see him as much of a factor, and I think he is a downgrade from Jarius Wright in terms of their talent. Oh, absolutely, I think he is. Jarius Wright came in, and and I'm not. I don't think the coaching staff, especially this coaching staff, ever really liked him that much. But he always made plays. Yep. I don't even know that in, unless you have multiple players go down at the at the receiver position, collar. I don't even know that Kendall Wright's going to get that chance. They just don't look like they're interested in really playing him, and we're sitting here watching preseason football. Yeah. Which, by yeah. the way, remains like going to the dentist, but that's a whole other story. It's a little tough at it's times. It's almost over, though. A little, little tough at times. I'm very happy about that. Uh, Chad Beebe, a standout tonight, making more of a case for himself to make the roster. He's going to make this team, right? I, I think so, because Brandon Zilstra was probably ahead of him, but Zilstra didn't get a single target and you know has been hurt for the first two preseason games he might be a little more talented than bb but bb comes in and makes plays when he's asked to make plays and even when he's been on special teams it looks to me like he's been solid he had another decent punt return so maybe a backup punt returner if uh, marcus sherrills goes down yeah. a guy with experience doing it yeah i think he has played he his tonight, way into it it was a nice catch yeah made two at least two nice plays there and what was nice to see from him was it was kind of a broken play yep. but he knew where to go in space and then I'll call him your guy, since you like to say that. Kyle Sloter, yep. finishing off the game. He has not looked great in preseason practices and we have or camp practices. We have questioned whether he would make the team. But if he has another good game in preseason game number four, he's probably on the 53-man roster. I think he makes the team. Uh, what's your assessment of uh, Simeon as the backup QB? He has not looked good in games. 
I know he has starting experience in Denver. So, and I did like the fact that they went out and got a guy who has started before and is not 47 years old or my age. But um, what's your assessment there? Because if he has to play, if, okay, I'll phrase it this way, Matthew. If Trevor Simeon has to play, how much trouble is this team in? Let's say, let's say it's three games. So I'm not trying to press my luck here and say eight games. So if he's got to play two or three games, is this team in big trouble or can he sort of get you through that, especially if the defense plays well? I think the defense would have to be spectacular. I mean, think about this. If you were going into games with Trevor Simeon, even with the number one defense in the NFL, with the addition of George Iloka, who played well tonight with the second team, and you've got to face the Rams, you've got to face Russell Wilson, you've got to face Tom Brady, you've got to face Drew Brees. Let's take a bad team. You're, you're, you're not, but you're not winning those games. Right. Like, you might win one or two of them, but you're going 6-10, and 7-9. Right. I, I would have thought that last year, but then Aaron Rodgers got hurt, and that's like two automatic wins. And then Cincinnati goes sideways, and you're playing them as they think their coach is fired, and you just crush their face in. Like, a lot went Case Keenum's way last year, and I – Come away thinking that Keenum is not just better than Simeon, but kind of quite a bit better than Simeon. I didn't know that last year. No, I think you're right. But I think that yep. now. Yep. Uh, so the way I look at it is when Kirk Cousins even kind of took a little bit of a hit tonight, you go, oh boy, oh boy. Because if you were to lose him for any amount of time, I think you're in trouble yep. if Trevor Simeon has to play, depending on what portion of the schedule that that ended up happening I, I just have some concern and trepidation here given the state of this line currently right now and if things don't change starting in week one because Kirk Cousins if that's the case is going to take some hits like there's there's unfortunately no avoiding it and to, to go back to what we've discussed before he's not Keenum so he can avoid so he can avoid some hits but not all hits and uh, so I guess watching this this offensive line and trying to predict how things will go, I don't have a lot of faith that there's going to be a bunch of early season games in which Cousins is going to be particularly clean on a consistent basis. So on this podcast, we have not talked about the addition of George Iloka. He is a highly intelligent player who has played the majority of his snaps as a deep, over-the-top type of safety, which points me very much to this guy could come in on third down and long yep. and play the over-the-top safety, and you can put Harrison Smith wherever you want yep. and just mess with other teams. Three safeties, right? He adds to this team potentially a type of depth and versatility that they did not have before just with Anthony Harris, yep. and I'm sure that Mike Zimmer was thrilled the moment they got him in the building. So can you foresee a, a situations where you actually have a package that has Iloka, Sendejo, and Smith on the field, yes. two, two corners, two linebackers then, I believe. So basically, basically your nickel package now takes potentially, in some cases, a cornerback off the field. You go to two corners, so Rhodes and Waynes, and then Smith becomes a hybrid corner type of linebacker himself. And I look up plays safety because I mean, you've got all sorts of options. I think, yeah, and I was going to say, and there's going to be some where Barr can line up as a down lineman. I think this just gives you and more importantly, Zimmer options that starting in week one, at least for a while, are going to screw with teams. Because they're going to look at it and be like, okay, and they're not going to know exactly what guys are, are, go, are going to do. So 
once they put that on film for a few games, it might help. But there's going to be a span of time there where teams are literally on the fly trying to figure out what the Vikings are going to do defensively. And I think if it's done right, it could cause a ton of havoc based basically on the fact that Barr and Smith can become hybrid type players. Well, here's what Iloka does for you. Say it's third and four. It's a perfect situation for a team to throw a short pass over the middle or something like that, right? How about you put Anthony Barr at defensive end, yep. Everson Griffin and Sheldon Richardson line up over the guards, Daniil Hunter is over the other end, and then and you he's going to be a nightmare this year, by the way. Hunt, oh, my oh, gosh. Hunter's becoming, Hunter has been a beast. I mean, Griffin's not playing now, and if I'm the Vikings, I'm not super concerned about that. Because Daniil Hunter looks like he's going to be an absolute nightmare. Yeah, he made a joke of, I think it was Dwayne Brown, the decent left tackle yeah. of the uh, Seattle Seahawks, and he embarrassed him tonight. And he did the same thing last week against the Jaguars where he ripped Blake Bortles down with one hand. Yep. He has looked like a monster so far. But So think about that as your defensive line where you have Griffin on the inside and then Barr rushing off the edge. And taking Barr's place is Harrison Smith. And then you have Sendejo yep. and Iloka as your deep safeties. You feel like if you're the opposing team, okay, what are we supposed to do here? We've probably got a pass in that type of situation, third and five, third and six. But now instead of a linebacker that we could try to take advantage of over the middle, it's one of the best, if not the best, playmaking safety in the NFL. Yep. I, I mean, they should be really thrilled to have him. And just talking to him a couple times, you can see how bright of a guy he is and why Zimmer would like him. He is a perfect type of Zimmer guy, and he should be a great fit and showed it even a little bit tonight what he can do as, as a deep over-the-top safety. So he says he could play anywhere. I think that's his best role because he's so big and long that yep. if, if you're throwing deep over the middle, he can make plays there. Number um, 28. Number 28. Not for long. Iloka. Not for long. I keep it. Keep he's the number. He's going to change Keep the that. number, George. Um, last Don't thing, be afraid of it. Last thing to mention, I wish they would talk about injuries so I could know whether to talk about something or not because Mike Hughes didn't play tonight. And Terrence Newman had to start at nickel, and then Craig James played the rest of the game. Now Craig James is like a practice squad type potential guy. Mackenzie Alexander did not play. It's really hard to say what the status of the nickel position is going to be week What's one. What's wrong with Mike Hughes? I don't know because they McKenzie, won't say. Mackenzie, we know, right? Yeah, they won't say. I can't figure out where in the game he got hurt. Okay. So I don't know what's wrong with Mike Hughes, but he didn't play tonight. And he was just standing out there in practice with his jersey on and not pads. So now we're down two corners, and that means Terrence is starting at nickel. He's only 40 years old. Yeah, What's the I, problem there? I, I know. And, and that's I mean, the, 40 is young. And that's what I mean. Is it a concern? Is it not a concern? I don't know yet. We never and talk that, about it. And in, that is injuries. going to be something week one. that we will end up watching. Anything else that we left off, Judd? Uh, no. I think we have covered it, it all. And. Uh, I'm just very curious. I'm very curious to see what this team does to uh, before September 9th address the the offensive line at the very least because I do think I mean they're very they're very proactive. I, they, they go out and sign Iloka, which seems to me to be a great move, right? They're very proactive in a lot of in a lot of things, and I think that's a great thing. Uh, but I just think if they actually go into the opener with the offensive line status quo and don't add at least some depth there or make a couple of changes, and, and Elfline has to come back, I think we're going to be sitting here in this press box on September 9th watching San Francisco play 
the Vikings, and we're going to be watching Kirk Cousins try and scramble around, and that's not why he signed him. So Rick Spielman really needs to address that. Other than that, though, everything's great. So we will. T- the defense is really good. Hey, listen. Uh, the defense hey, is listen. really good. It's going, to, it's going to be a shame if this team does not maximize its potential to win football games, which includes the offensive line and making sure their kicker situation is straight. It's going to be a damn shame because this defense is a Super Bowl-type defense. And if they screw up that opportunity because they got haughty about their future and decided to get cute by drafting a project tackle and drafting and trading two six-round picks to trade up to the fifth round to take a kicker, then shame on Rick Spielman because he's been presented with a golden opportunity and a really good coach here and a defense that can win a Super Bowl title. And for them not to capitalize on that by, by giving themselves the best chance would really be short-sighted and not very smart. Well, they will have a couple more weeks here that we will be watching closely. That last preseason game, we don't care, though. No, 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 no. no. I, I'm saying we we're going to be watching closely Pet Elfline to see oh, if right, he comes right. back. Oh, right, right. No, I, I got you. That, I got that's you. where I was at. I we're just not, was trying to say we that fourth preseason game. We are not watching the fourth preseason game I might not watch closely. it this year. What's the point? I mean, I, I will be, but... I, oh, I know. You have to. I, and they will argue up and down, oh, it's position battles, it's more on tape. It's a really tough watch for anyone. The question was asked of uh, Zim in his post-game press conference tonight, is Dalvin Cook going to play in the fourth preseason game? And it was all I could do not to start cackling. No. The answer is no. No one – the only – Elfline, if he's back, might have a chance to go out there and take one or two drives potentially, but that's going to be about it for starters. And it's one thing – one reason to watch is if there are any starters out there, that's not good for them. No, like, no. It, and here's here's the thing. And I, I bet this comes back to what you're right about. I wouldn't be surprised if Kendall Wright plays a ton. Well, yeah, and if he plays a ton, he's going to be wearing a different jersey on September 9th. Because if they don't want him, which I think at this moment he stays. But if they don't want him, they want to put a lot on tape so they can ask somebody else for a conditional sixth, probably. Good point. So he will be uh, worth watching in his status and. It will be hard to know, I guess, when everybody else is coming back, like Alexander and Hughes and Elfline. That's going to be kind of our focus over the next couple of weeks. So I, I would also say this, again, the preseason does not tell us a whole lot, but it's probably fair to be a little concerned about where the offensive line is going if Elfline isn't going to come back. But we should always, always end with the disclaimer of, it is the preseason. Unless you're a fragile kicker with a head coach who gets very there mad you at you. There you go. You just can't stop. Oh, I'm not going to. No. All right. We'll catch Bye. you. We will catch you after Daniel Carlson misses one field goal and we melt down on the Purple Podcast when we come back, whenever that might be. We'll catch you all. We will catch you all later on the Purple Podcast. Thank you for listening to this. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.